Hi, this is Ananda, president of the Hare Krishna community near Washington, D.C. What follows is a Sunday talk recorded at our temple. Every Sunday we invite the public for meditation, a talk, and a vegetarian lunch. We'd love for you to join us. More information is available at iskonofdc.org. That's I-S-K-C-O-N of D-C dot org. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the talk. Fortunate to be here with all of you. Um, I think uh, another subject of today's uh, talk, the title could be just uh, good fortune. How does someone get good fortune? Um, You know, (laughs) Mataji said, how does someone like me end up in a place like this? Um, So that's another way of saying, how did we become so fortunate? And, uh, you know, our spiritual master, Srila Prabhupada, his mission was to make everyone fortunate by spreading Krishna consciousness all over the world. Um, Another way of titling this could be, uh, what was it like back then? And I know whenever I meet devotees who are senior to me, um, who were there with Srila Prabhupada in the very earliest days, I always feel the urge to ask them, what was it like? being able to go to Srila Prabhupada's room whenever you had a question, even if it was a simple question, how do I make a chapati, Prabhupada? Or some deeper question. Um, And uh, those devotees who got to have Srila Prabhupada's very close and intimate association in the early days are supremely fortunate, and they got to render service to his lotus feet in a very important and intimate way. Uh, I came to Krishna consciousness a little bit later, and when I did, um, one of the first people whom I was fortunate to know was my good friend Palaka Prabhu, who's sitting next to me. Uh, In the very first summer of my Krishna consciousness, uh, he was coming to the temple, and so pretty much as long as I've been in Krishna consciousness, Palaka Prabhu is uh, a fixture of my life in devotional service and Krishna consciousness. And uh, so I thank him for his friendship and association all these years. And we have um, tried to serve Srila Prabhupada together. And he's always been there. So I think he's going to tell you uh, his story. Um, or maybe he'll tell you a little bit about what it was like. Yes, Ananda Vrindavan? What year was that? Uh, both of us came to the Krishna consciousness movement in 1972. And at that time, the temple was located downtown on DuPont Circle uh, on Q Street. And that was not actually the first temple. The first temple was a few few blocks away on Newport Place. And uh, I have an artifact, which I'll show all of you later. You can come up and look at it after the talk, which is a check written to A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami from that first temple with the address on it, 2154 Newport Place. And on the back, it's countersigned with Prabhupada's signature, and it says, for deposit only. (laughs) So you can come and look at that. It gives you, it's a little artifact of that historical time. So Newport Place was first, Q Street was second. And then in March of 1976, we moved here because there were so many devotees joining our temples, we just didn't have room for everyone. So uh, we got this place, we moved here, and um, so this, this, this is the, what, third edition. Now is coming uh, the fourth edition, which will be our beautiful new temple 
on the hill. So, um, Palaka, tell us how we got here. Hmm. <laughs> or how you got here. Hare Krishna. So, fortunately, this morning I was listening to Shil Prabhupada, and he was talking about how Krishna comes whenever there's a need. But then he explained how the pure servant, Anuloy devotee, also comes when there's a need. And if it wasn't for Shil Prabhupada coming, leaving India, leaving Vrindavan, coming to the West, I know for a fact there's no way I'd be here right now. Um, you know, coming up in a Western culture, Western society, uh, you know, Prabhupada's appearance, Prabhupada's pure compassion, desire to help other living entities get out of this miserable cycle of birth, death, old age, and disease, and awake to their dormant Krishna consciousness. That's basically on his pure desire. And because of that, he did come to the West. And because of him coming to the West, he influenced Western culture. Like, for example, in my personal life, uh, I was a Beatles fan. I loved the Beatles. I listened to the Beatles' music. And when the Beatles actually, believe it or not, came in contact with Shoal Prabhupada before Shoal Prabhupada even went to England, someone sent them this album, this Hare Krishna Happening album, Krishna Consciousness, which was recorded in 1966. And Shoal Prabhupada just went into a studio. They recorded this album. It was released and somebody sent a copy to the Beatles, and the Beatles became so inspired by the Hare Krishna mantra, heard from a pure unalloyed devotee that they started chanting Hare Krishna themselves. So unbeknownst to me, in 1967, 68, I had heard the chanting of Hare Krishna, or at least the name Hare Krishna, through one of the Beatles songs, not knowing what it was, not even knowing what the heck they were saying on the album, but I was such a devout Beatles fan that I read the liner's notes, I saw the Hare Krishna mantra, I heard the mantra. So personally, I think that was very, very powerful because then later, and you know, we speed up a couple years, 1970, um, I'm going to a Catholic school and we had to take a song and we had to analyze the song and then tell the class what it meant to me and John Lennon, who was very much influenced at that time by Shua Prabhupada, wrote a song. And in that song, it was called Instant Karma. And so then I had to find out, what is karma? You know, in the Christianity, I was raised a Catholic. I liked being a Catholic. I was pretty devout Catholic. But we didn't have the concept of karma. So here's this song talking about karma. And in that song, it said, instant karma is going to get you. You better get yourself together. Pretty soon, you're going to be dead. And then there was another line that says, and we all shine on like the moon and the stars and beyond. And it, you know, that, that I know he learned from Shiva Prabhupada. And it influenced me. It's like I, I had to think. It's like, yeah, this is a powerful song. So all the classmates were bringing, you know, whatever, the four tops and the supremes and analyzing their songs. But here's a song that had to do with death and karma and we're eternal. We shine on. We go on and on. It just... I know that influence by Shoal Prabhupada affected my life. And then George Harrison comes out with My Sweet Lord. And this is all in 1970. In My Sweet Lord, he's chanting the Hare Krishna mantra. And he came out with this album called All Things Must Pass. And if you haven't ever heard that album, it's full of devotional songs. I mean, there's so much spiritual realization that Shoal Prabhupada imparted to these four people who said actually were Gandharvas, who actually came to this world. So that's part of this bigger picture of how Krishna consciousness spread and how Lord Chaitanya's mission is not going to be stopped. Nothing can stop it. 
we can facilitate it. But even if all of us go away, he'll just send somebody else because he's God and this is his mission and it has to happen. So Shul Prabhupada's part of that mission. So my good fortune is that I like music. I heard these songs. They opened up my consciousness. Then when I heard Hare Krishna, and right after that, things started opening up. I was in the eighth grade. We had a we had an organization called the CYO, the Catholic Youth Organization. And you couldn't be a member until you graduated from eighth grade. It was for high school kids. But once you graduated, you were a member, and all of us were like, yeah, we got to join. And the first trip was to Ocean City, Maryland. And we all packed in school buses, and we went to the beach. And we're laying on the beach, and we're hanging out, we're just trying to be cool. And then all of a sudden, there's And I sit up. I was like, what's this sound? And it was cartels. And then a little faint, the Murdunga was coming, because cartels travel very far, this sound. And there were three devotees. If anyone's been to the beach, they were weaving in and out of the people, right on the beach. Dodi, shaved heads, cartels, Murdunga, just chanting the Maha Mantra. And, and uh, that was in the summer. So George Harrison's song had come out in January. This was now like June, maybe July. So I'd heard the Maha Mantra, but now here's people who actually are singing the Maha Mantra. And they're monks, and they're spiritual, and they're from another dimension. And I was mesmerized. It's like, oh my God. And I sat up, and I watched them as far as they went on the beach until I couldn't see them anymore. I watched these devotees. And that also, just like, it was very powerful. Then later that day, there was one of the brahmacharis on the beach selling books. But I was in the eighth grade, and there was a lot of peer pressure, and my friends were making fun of them, and, and I wanted to talk to them. But out of peer pressure, I was embarrassed to, like, go up to them. But I regret not going up to them, because I would have bought a book, I would have read, I would have got Prabhupada's more association. But still, I was attracted by just seeing a devotee. And then we speed up. The summer's over. I go to my very first concert with my older brother. It was, it was like right after Woodstock. And they were having these, all these bands would come together. And I convinced my mother I could go with my older brother. And she said, but don't take your eyes off them. Don't let them smoke pot. Don't let them do anything crazy. But there were the devotees again from this Washington temple. This was 1969, well, right? No, this is 70. Oh, 1970. Yeah, so this was 1970. And devotees were doing Harinam, a group of devotees. And I told my brother, I'm going to go meet with those people. I'll meet you inside. No, you'll never find me. General admission. But I was like, I was agonizing. I wanted to see these devotees. I wanted to hear what they were about. But still, I didn't get that chance. But it just built up this strong desire that I have to meet these people. There was no computers. I didn't even, you know, I didn't even know, just I knew the Hare Krishna song, but I didn't know anything else about him. So then uh, I didn't get to meet the devotees. Then I am watching television, and there was a TV show called David Suskind. There was one other time I saw the devotees too, but there were the devotees, and that was like on Fox TV. It was like the Jerry Springer of this generation. He would fight with people, and you bring on different guests. And he had on the Hare Krishna devotees. And there they were. And it was amazing. Because now, not only did I hear a fabulous kirtan by Bardraj Gauravani's father, who was one of the chief kirtaniyas in the day, but I got to hear the philosophy of Krishna consciousness. And it made so much sense. Everything that wasn't there in Christianity, 
all the things that had doubts about it, had questions that no one could actually give it an answer that made any logical sense. As far out as Christian consciousness, it made logical sense, reincarnation. And, and in Christianity, there's internal damnation, but in Christian consciousness, you may go to hell, you may suffer the karma, but you're always given a chance. And all those things resonated with me. So at the end of this TV show, I turn to my brother and I say, I want to become one. No, I didn't even say I want to. I said, I'm going to become one of those people. And then it was a matter of, okay, on the show, he mentioned New York, he mentioned Boston, he mentioned Pittsburgh, he mentioned Chicago, but there was no mention of Washington. So I'm like, where am I going to find these people? I'm a kid. How am I going to go to New York? So, How old were you then? 14. Mm. So then I... Um, I saw the David Susskind show, so I go to another concert in Baltimore, and there is a devotee with incense and Back to Godhead magazines. And now this is sped up a little bit, because the David Susskind show was 71. So I get my Back to God, I, the devotee comes, and again, I'm with all my friends, and I'm hoping he comes to me. And I don't know if anyone knows the passage in the Bible about the Red Sea, when Moses parted the Red Sea. Well, it was mystical, because the whole place just opened up and there was a path from the devotee to me. And I'm like, yes, come to me. You have to come to me. <laughs> but then someone stopped him on the way and like, no, don't stop this guy. Someone wanted a pack of incense. And I'm like, you gotta come. So I pulled up my wallet. I took everything I had in my wallet, but mind you, I'm a kid, but still it was, for me, it was a lot of money. Before he said a word, I just handed him all the money in my wallet. And he, I'm starting to tear up because this was a really important moment. And he hands me Back to Godhead magazine. And in that Back to Godhead magazine was called Introducing Ourselves to a Nation. It was a David Susskind TV show, transcription. Wow. And I was like, oh my God, this is definitely fate. You know, I heard him, I wanted to know about him. And then the Back to Godhead magazine was the address to the Washington temple. I'm like, there's a temple in Washington. I have to go to the temple. So. I convinced my brother, you gotta take me to the temple. We're going to the Sunday love feast. But I have a little bit of dyslexia, so <laughs> I got the address wrong. And I am like, oh God, we go there. It's like, did they move? They're not here. And so I get back to my house, I pull out the BTG, and I call the temple. And I said, did you guys move? I'm like, no, we've been here from the beginning. I mean, so was this fall of 1971? This was, yeah, sometime in 71. Okay. And so we go to the temple. We don't go to the temple. I call the temple. The devotee answers. I said, oh, I don't believe it. I had the wrong address. I said, I can't wait another week. I, I got to come see you guys. He goes, oh, you don't have to wait another week. I said, I don't. He said, no, every morning at 445, we have a, a program. I said, really, and I can come? He said, sure. So I go to my older brother. I said, we have to go to the temple tomorrow. Okay, what time? It's 4.45. We live out in the suburbs. We're like an hour away. He said, are you crazy? I said, no, I have to go to the temple. And so I said, I'll pay you $20 to take me. Now, $20 is a lot of money when you don't have money and a kid. So I paid my brother. And he said, well, I got to sleep because I got to work later in the day. So he slept in the car. I go to the temple, and it was another mystical thing. It was like leaving the material world and you actually stepped into the spiritual world. You could feel it. The energy, the, the shakti, the, the smells, the sounds, the bells, the artique, everything was just, I was at home. 
but I still was a kid, and, and they weren't pushing me to like, oh, you got to surrender, you got to move in, you got to do all this. Prior, no, and now after I got the BTG, then I also sent away for a book, too. And I read the first book, there was a tear out in BTG, send away, you write a check. Got my mother to write a check, and I waited every day, where's my book, where's my book, where's my book? So I had this desire to find out. So the first book I got was Teachings of Lord Chaitanya, and it's pretty intense, mm. but I always feel personally much more connected to Lord Chaitanya and the Sankirtan movement in that aspect. Nothing against Shishi Radha Mohan, and they're wonderful, but if you ever want to hear something amazing, Prabhupada gave a very short introduction, uh, 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 um, not introduction, but um, when he arrival address in Atlanta, Georgia, 1975, it's only two and a half, three minutes, it's on YouTube. Prabhupada breaks down and he cries about the mercy of Lord Chaitanya, that Krishna is merciful, but he demands surrender. He demands you do this, but Lord Chaitanya doesn't demand anything. He just gives love freely. And Prabhupada's talking about this, and he cries, and he has spiritual ecstasy. So I, I've always felt part of that Sankirtan movement, and part of that, because if it wasn't for the Sankirtan movement, if it wasn't for the devotees going out on the street, and chanting Hare Krishna, going in the hot summer, walking on a beach, chanting Hare Krishna, bringing this message out to the people. And that's what my personal connection to Krishna consciousness is. The Prabhupada came, and then he taught his disciples, go out, you know, he sent them all over the world. He, I mean, we have God brothers that went to places by themselves and opened up temples. I mean, we, we, you know, we came, you know, at this temple we're somewhat senior, but we came much later. I mean, when I found out Krishna consciousness, David Susskind, devotees were already devotees for four and a half years and were already practicing Krishna consciousness. But that's my basic journey. I mean, there's so many things that happened in between. I, I, before, I mean, I personally got initiated right here in this temple room. Joe Prabhupada was right in that Vyasasan. And this happened to be the very last initiation that Prabhupada personally presided over in North America. There was a big initiation after ours in New York, 86 devotees, and everyone was kind of holding out. They were gonna get initiated in New York. But Prabhupada was sick that day and he didn't come down. So even though they're all his disciples and everything, but Prabhupada personally initiated us in, in this temple room. And I just feel extremely fortunate. It's all causeless mercy in one respect. In another respect, I had a desire from my youth to find out something deeper. There's got to be something more. Christianity is nice, but it doesn't make sense. There's too many holes in it. And Christian consciousness makes total sense when you look at the huge, bigger picture. And if it wasn't for Shoal Prabhupada coming here at an advanced age and leaving everything behind with just faith in his spiritual master, I know anybody in a Western body wouldn't be sitting here right now. And so for that, I'm very, very, very grateful. Um, I know time is limited. I just want to say one thing. I'm going to introduce Lakshmivan, who's a very dear friend who's been going out and doing Sankirtan for forever. But one aspect that he doesn't even know, but I'll, I'll share it. He knows, but he doesn't remember. He's a Kirtaniya, and his life and soul has always been bhajans and kirtans. And he used to give bhajan lessons, because the temple president said, we're all going to be old one day. 
And when we're old, we're gonna have to know these bhajans, when we're, we're old and decrepit. And so Lakshivan, every once a week, it was on Wednesdays, before our Srimad Bhagavatam class, he would actually teach us bhajans and teach us kirtans. And, but he doesn't remember that. I remember that. So anyway, he's my good friend. We've been friends forever. And now I'm going to turn the mic over to Lakshivan Prabhu. Uh, thank you, Pallika Prabhu. Um, you know, these stories are so large and um, long and um, full of meaning. It's hard to talk just for a few minutes because there's, you know, there's so much more in our past that when we think about it, we get excited. We want to convey everything, what it was like. So um, I would like to tell you a little bit about what it was like. Uh, Palaka, um, if you can imagine him as a 14-year-old, fresh-faced youth uh, running around um, and seeing the devotees on television and immediately announcing, I'm going to become one of those people. That's what it was like. Right? When Srila Prabhupada had this powerful spiritual presence, and uh, even though the devotees were very, very few in number, it seemed that um, they radiated out a very strong uh, call of attraction uh, to anyone who encountered them. And that call of attraction was actually uh, conveying the presence of our Srila Prabhupada, right? And his spiritual um, determination to fulfill the orders of his spiritual master and sacrifice everything for that purpose. That created an atmosphere that was so beautiful that anybody who encountered it immediately wanted to join that atmosphere. So Palaka saw them on TV and immediately said, I'm going to become one of those people. And it happened, right? Um, to tell you a little bit about what it was like in those days, um, I'll say that um, the entire movement of Krishna consciousness uh, carried the same pioneering and self-sacrificing spirit that Srila Prabhupada brought to us and that he encouraged us to practice. So uh, life in temples was very rigid, I would say, and very, very demanding um, in those days. Um, but because we were all very youthful, we had a lot of energy. And um, we got inspiration from uh, Prabhupada's constant instructions. Uh, he was always writing letters to us. Um, we got inspiration from each other. And... Um, so uh, in order to tell you a little bit about what the temples were like, I'm going to read to you my own initiation letter, which I received from Srila Prabhupada. And he says one or two simple things in there. Um, this initiation letter is typical of the letters which Srila Prabhupada sent to many devotees. Oh, yeah. This is um, initiation means... A uh, disciple formally vows to become the, um, uh, the humble servant of the guru and to follow his instructions and try and fulfill his mission uh, to the best of his ability for the rest of his life. Yeah. So initiation is a serious commitment to our spiritual master where we agree to change our life. Um, 
Srila Prabhupada wrote, this letter is dated January 9th, 1973. My dear sons and daughter, please accept my blessings. Upon the recommendation of Damodar Das, who was the temple president in those days, I have gladly accepted all of you as my duly initiated disciples. Now you may send your beads to Kirtanananda in New Vrindavan for chanting them, as I have empowered him to act on my behalf. Or you may write to him and request him to send you new beads. I have given you the spiritual names as follows. Howard Burned, Hasikaridas, Randy Buchert, Ratangapanidas, Warren Havens, Varutapadas, Lawson Knight, Lakshmivandas, Barry Butler, Bhaktavatsaladas, and his wife, Linda Butler, Bhaktilila Dasi. Um, now, Prabhupada says what his intention is here. My request to all of you is that you very seriously stick to the principles of devotional service as you have learned them, and especially observe strictly the four prohibitions, and without fail, always chant at least 16 rounds on your beads daily. In this way, you will always be happy. Now you have got the golden opportunity of this human form of life. Then Prabhupada says, it is not by accident that you have met your spiritual master. So if you are actually intelligent, you will stick very tightly to your position of Krishna consciousness and go back to home, back to Godhead. Now Prabhupada says something very important. The essential point to remember is that you should always try to please your spiritual master under every condition. That means to follow his orders and instructions very carefully. My first instruction to all of my disciples is that they should help me spread this Krishna consciousness movement all over the world, utilizing their energy as best they are able to do it. In this way, keeping yourself always engaged in Krishna's business 24 hours, you will become free from all attachment to maya by Krishna's grace. Just as when the darkness and the light come together, the darkness cannot stand before the light. So maya cannot remain in the presence of Krishna. Always remember, therefore, to chant Hare Krishna, and that will save you in all circumstances, without any doubt. Hoping this meets you in good health, your ever well-wisher, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami. Um, so th these kinds of letters are very powerful because Prabhupada always gave his heartfelt request, please help me spread Krishna consciousness everywhere to others. And he says that is his first instruction. So um, for that purpose, Srila Prabhupada traveled everywhere, established so many temples, 
for that purpose, Srila Prabhupada made great sacrifices, going without sleep and without security or shelter, traveling alone to uh, America from his home of Vrindavan, India, um, without any guarantee of success. Everything was unknown for Srila Prabhupada, except for his faith in the order of his spiritual master. So he asked us to do the same thing. Uh, he once said to a devotee who had gone out uh, um, away from their own temple, his name was uh, Bahudak. Do you remember Bahudak? Yeah, he was one of the first devotees who um, got the idea, let's just get in a, in a vehicle, a van, and we'll drive to some unknown city. And we'll try and establish a temple there. We don't know what will happen, and we don't have any money. We don't even have enough gas to get to this next city. Um, but somehow um, they went, and uh, they, when they ran out of gas, they got out of their van and asked people, please give us something so we can reach the next city. Eventually they reached there. They went to a university. They didn't know what to do, so they just sat out. Uh, uh, they went to a college campus and sat outside and started chanting Hare Krishna together. And sure enough, someone became attracted that to that chanting and said, please come and stay at my apartment. That apartment became the Hare Krishna temple, the first temple, right? Just by Krishna's arrangement. And Krishna consciousness began to grow there. So these devotees wrote a letter to Prabhupada explaining what had happened. And Prabhupada wrote a letter back saying, to anyone who goes without any hope or help and simply goes out and depends on Krishna wholeheartedly and tries to establish Krishna consciousness, Prabhupada said, I offer my humble obeisances to such a person millions of times. Yeah. So um, that was the spirit of our temples in those days. They were not so much like temples that we find today. They were more like military bases, would you say? Forts. Pa military fortresses, yeah. Prabhupada says like that. Yeah. And the soldiers were the devotees who lived in the temples. And every day, all day long, they went out chanting Hare Krishna on the streets, distributing books here and there, um, arranging programs, um, sometimes getting harassed or sometimes even arrested. Uh, I myself spent a night in jail once. Or no, I spent a day in jail. I got arrested a couple times. Yeah. And so it was common, you know, because people didn't know what we were. People thought we were crazy. People thought we were hippies or, you know, drug addicted people or, or just deranged cult members. Um, but we had a lot of faith because we had met Srila Prabhupada and he gave us a lot of confidence that we were on the right track. So that's what every temple was like. And Prabhupada described to us that um, our mission was to be compassionate towards all living beings. And then he said that compassion means to give people a chance um, to reawaken their loving connection with Sri Krishna, the Supreme Personality of God who is sitting within their hearts as Antaryami and waiting for them to come. And uh, so Srila Prabhupada wanted to
to give that opportunity to everyone, and he asked us to help. Yes. Can I say one thing? Yes, please, Balika. Either in a book or a lecture, Shil Prabhupada was saying why abortion is so sinful. In the explanation, he says, because it's denying the living entity the opportunity to chant Hare Krishna. So then if you take it one step further, that means people are appearing on this planet right now to be able to hear and chant the holy name. That's how important people, yeah. just people taking birth right now in the human form of life are coming to be given this chance. And if mm -hmm. we don't give them the chance, Prabhupada says we're misers because mm -hmm. we have something so wonderful, but we're not sharing it with our brothers and mm -hmm. sisters. Yeah. So Srila Prabhupada, he gave so much stress to spreading Krishna consciousness to everyone. And that is why all of you are able to come and visit this temple today because of Srila Prabhupada's very... Um, dedicated effort and the way he inspired all of his followers to help in that mission, um, printing his books, distributing them widely, and publicizing Krishna consciousness to everyone, and maintaining these temples as places where people could come and get the association of sincere devotees and that they could learn to practice Krishna consciousness themselves. Right, So... Uh, Prabhupada intended these temples as to be uh, little outposts of Sri Vrindavan Dham. Right, Maharaj? Yeah. So that's what these temples should be, where someone who comes here can feel um, that they are in, in the shelter of Krishna's lotus feet and that they can um, somehow or other get the chance to hear about Krishna. So that's a little bit about the mission. Um, I'm going to spend one minute. Mataji is looking at me, telling me to open to questions. True, but I just yeah. have another quick announcement. Just so, just so much thank you. But there's a car blocking. It's a white Toyota van. It's blocking this gentleman's car. It's parked over there by the hall. If anybody has a white Toyota van, uh, 4820 is numbers on the license plate. Please spread the word and move that van ASAP. Thanks. Go ahead. Um, in Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, Sri Prahlad Maharaj instructs uh, Komar Acharit Pragnyo, Dharman Bhagavatam Iha, Durlabham Manasam Manava Janma, uh, Artadam, what, what is the rest of it? Tad Api Adruvam Artadam. He says that if you are a youthful person, Please, please take to Krishna consciousness because you'll find that if you do a practice of Krishna consciousness in your youthful life, which is the time when your, your heart is really being formed most strongly, then you'll find that that serious attraction to Krishna remains with you for your whole life. It's the most powerful time of your life. So if you are youthful or <laughs> you have young people around you, you know, impress upon them that don't wait. Because when you become older, Krishna consciousness is very difficult. It's very difficult to break free of our um, attachment to material life. But if we have some practice of Krishna consciousness in our youth, it will always call to you. In, in such a strong way that even when you're older and troubled by many difficulties, you will feel that you must go to 
the shelter of Krishna's lotus feet. Um, uh, just a little bit about how I, how I came to the temple. I'll make this the super short story. When I was 15 years old, when I was 14, uh, I was in high school, junior high school, and I remember hearing the Beatles. And uh, he and I uh, experienced this connection to Krishna about the same age. And um, I heard George Harrison singing this famous song, which became world famous. In this song, it was entitled, My Sweet Lord. And in this song, there's a section where they sing the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. So it goes, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. He sings the whole mantra, Krishna. And so I remember as a teenager, without knowing anything about what it meant, I used to ride my bicycle around my town in Bethesda singing the Mahamantra. Not knowing why it was so important or why it was so beautiful or why it would benefit me. But that George Harrison and the Beatles really benefited the world a great deal by spreading Hare Krishna mantra through the popular culture to the youth. So then the following spring in March of 1972, middle of March, one day, I was in my high school, and I walked into the cafeteria for lunch, and instead of seeing the usual collection of young people sitting at lunch tables, I saw five, uh, what, what would I say? Just angelic looking people <laughs> dressed in beautiful saris and tilak, and the men were dressed in beautiful dhotis, saffron cloth, and shaven head, and, and they had their hands in the air and carrying these musical instruments. And please remember, this was a sight which we had never seen in America before. It was a totally brand new thing. And they were standing on top of one of the lunch tables. All five of them, they commandeered the whole place. Their hands in the air, playing the drums loudly and swinging, swaying back and forth. Singing, Hare Krishna, sing with me. Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So on and on they went. And I thought, wow, what is this? Who are these people? They're not from here. <laughs> um, and the first thought that came to my mind was, these people do not care anything about this material world. They only care about the spiritual world, Vaikuntha Dham. I couldn't know these names at the time, but the feeling was there. So after they stopped the kirtan, I walked up to them, and I said, who are you people? And they said, come to our class and find out. We've been invited to give a talk. So I went to the classroom, and the talk consisted of nothing but more kirtan. Hare Krishna, Hare, more singing. And they gave some prasadam to everyone, some popcorn with caramel, sweet, and peanuts. And after the kirtan was over, they said to me, now we're going to our temple. Would you like to come with? And I said, yes, let's go. So I got in the van with them, and they we started driving and they said, while we're on the way to the temple, we're going to stop and perform Harinam Sankirtan. 
I said, what's that? They said, don't worry, we'll show you. <laughs> so, yeah, at the age of 15. And so we all got out onto the sidewalk uh, in a pop populated area. And they showed me how to put my hands in the air. And they said, now sing like this, sing with us, and dance back and forth. So my very first experience of Krishna consciousness, within minutes, was doing Harinam Sankirtan. And Surrendering that, on the spot. And that has been my life ever since. Um, or it's been the most meaningful part of my life ever since, I should say. Um, so then we got to the temple, and someone said, okay, we're going to show you how to put on dhoti, how to put on tilak, how to hold a bead bag, and how to chant on japa mala, the Hare Krishna man mantra. We're going to explain to you everything about Bhagavad Gita, and we're going to uh, get up at 2 o'clock every morning. We got up at 2 every morning in those days. And uh, we're going to uh, chant this japa of the holy name of Krishna. And then we're going to uh, worship the deities. We're going to worship Krishna in arti. And then we're going to listen to Srimad Bhagavatam. And uh, then we're going to have a little breakfast. And then we're going to all go out all day long and chant the Hare Krishna mantra in public places. And uh, we're going to ask people to give little donations. Um, and that happened every day. And of course, I was still in school. But um, uh, at, in that first meeting, uh, coming to stay at the temple, I didn't return home for one week. And I never told my parents where I was. I disappeared from the house. And um, by Krishna's grace, um, it could happen because uh, my father was um, in hospital. My mother was t caring for us as a single mother. And that day, it just so happened, she went skiing. And within five minutes of being on the ski slope, she fell down and broke her leg. And she was in the hospital also. So nobody knew where any of us children were. <laughs> and I simply stayed at the temple for seven days chanting Hare Krishna day and night. And then after seven days, came home. And uh, then every morning, I got up at two in the morning and got on my bicycle and rode eight miles to attend Mangalarti. Um, that was the powerful attraction of Srila Prabhupada, how, how instantly and powerfully he got hold of our hearts. And he attracted us that Performing this tapasya, this austerity, is the most beautiful and happy thing that we could possibly do because it brings us close to Krishna and it brings us close to Vrindavan Dham. Yes, Maharaj? Mm. Um, so we all wanted to do it. And the enthusiasm of our youth was to do that more and more and more. Hare Krishna. And I have to add that... I never knew this about Lakshmidan in the seven days going MIA, <laughs> but I wasn't quite as surrendered. I knew my parents would flip out. I just couldn't, you know, Vishnu, John, Swami, and Tamal Krishna on the bus were like doing everything in their power to get me to surrender. And I knew I was going to surrender. I couldn't defeat them philosophically, but my parents would like disown me. And as it turned out in my life, my parents both did some wonderful service. And at the time of their deaths, they all had Krishna consciousness around them. But 
I wasn't quite that surrendered where I could just drop everything and run off with the devotees like Prabhu Lakshivan did. So I'm nice to hear that because I, didn't, I never heard that about you. There's more things to tell. I'm going to tell a couple more briefly. I'm sorry about the time, but it's just so I'm going to say intense. one other thing. That same thing at Lakshivan's high school happened at my high school. Yeah. It was called, at our high school, it was called Freeform Day. In your high school, they called it? Experiment in Freeform Education, where the students were allowed to um, make the classes for the whole week, and they could invite different instructors. So someone at that high school invited the Hare Krishna devotees to come and give that class. I never found out who it was. But my high school was Catholic, and it was only one day. And the Hare Krishna classroom was the most popular and every day you had to follow your schedule. When the bell rang, you had to go to any class you want, but you had to switch classes. In the Hare Krishna classroom, people were sitting in the windowsills. They were sitting on the floors. It was packed. And I was a freshman, so you have no seniority. And every time I went to get in the class, I couldn't get in. In the last class, I was like, I got to hear these people. This is before the David Susskind show, even. And I stood in the doorway. And the principal comes by and goes, that's a, that's a fire hazard. And the people sitting in the aisles and the windows wasn't, but me standing in the door was. He said, you have to go to another class. And I'm like, ah, oh, I can't believe it. So that, you know, the desire to see these people, hear these people was really strong. Really intense. Yeah, it, it felt like uh, um, we had reached the purpose of our life. And I was in high school and I had the good fortune of coming to the temple for the Sunday feast when Radha Madame Mohan were installed. Mm. Yeah, so Palika was here at the time of this picture and I'm also sitting in this picture in the background um, as a young teenager and Palika was also in the room. I mean, we're, we're yeah, was, together I since those there. days. Um, yeah, I'm just going to ask you all to come up. I have a couple of things. This picture, I have a picture of, this was maybe the second time that I met Srila Prabhupada. It's a picture of myself standing next to Srila Prabhupada in New Vrindavan. You can call, all come up and see it, just so that you can get an idea of what it was like to be there, right? Um, and then I have this check, which I told you about, which is countersigned by Srila Prabhupada himself. You can come up and look at that. Um, and then I have the envelope, which um, my initiation letter arrived in. Srila Prabhupada sent this from Mumbai. At that time, he was staying in Seaface Park in Mumbai. Um, I'll tell one other very brief anecdote about um, <laughs> my coming to live in the temple. Uh, after three weeks of uh, riding the bicycle to the temple, for Mangalarti, I decided that, yeah, I had to be a devotee. So I decided I'm going to shave my head and um, uh, have the sikha and tilak, and I'm only going to do this for the rest of my life. This, this, it took about three weeks to come to that decision. And uh, so, yeah, I did that. I, the devotees shaved my head, and, and I put on the saffron cloth, and um, I thought, okay, now tomorrow I'm going to go and show this to my mother. <laughs> and she's going to find it so exciting and so interesting. <laughs> I'm just going to surprise her. I'm not going to tell her ahead of time. So I rode my bicycle back to my mother's house. And instead of entering, I knocked on the door. <laughs> Standing there 
um, you can see the picture later, um, thinking that she would smile and inquire, oh, you know, how nice. So she opened the door and immediately, ah, ah, this, this scream, which you cannot imagine, only a mother can scream this way. <laughs> um, she began to throw herself on the couch and, and cry out piteously, my son, my son, what did they do to my son? <laughs> so I had to pacify her a lot. <laughs> it was kind of childish of me to break it that way. I thought she would appreciate it, but there were, it was too sudden, right? Um, so later on, um, when the summer passed, I was living in the temple the whole summer. She... But at the end of the summer, she demanded. She said, I don't want you to live in that temple anymore. You have to come and live at home because school is beginning and you have to go to school. You must come and live at home. And I said, no, mother. <laughs> I want to stay with the devotees and do, do Mangalarti and Sankirtan and hear Bhagavatam and Bhagavad Gita. So uh, she said, no, no, you have to come home. So I asked her, well, come to this temple and meet this one devotee. He's a very wonderful devotee. He was very famous in those days. His name was Vishnu Jana Swami. And so he's no longer living, but in those days he was maybe the most famous amongst all the devotees. And um, he was here in those days visiting. So my mother came to meet him. So the three of us sat in the temple and Vishnu Jana Swami spoke to her. And his way of speaking was simply to describe Vaikuntha Dham, Golok Vrindavan Dham. He said, this is the place where Krishna loves his devotees and the devotees love Krishna. And every word is a song and every step is a dance. And he began to describe Golok Vrindavan like this. And my mother began to smile and she became enchanted. And after 15 minutes of listening, she couldn't contain herself. She was moving in her chair. Finally, she jumped up, ran to him. Although he was a sannyasi, very strict, she threw her arms around him and said, you make me feel just like a little girl. And she said, of course you can have my son. Yeah. So that was the beautiful atmosphere of Krishna consciousness in those days. And so... Uh, we've been fortunate to practice going out uh, all day long on Harinam Sankirtan, or as Palika became famous for doing, distributing massive quantities of books. And um, Srila Prabhupada was extremely, extremely happy with the service that Palika Prabhu did. And he's, Palika is still doing that. And we're still going out on Harinam Sankirtan together every Saturday evening. And um, we're trying to relive our youth. <laughs> um, but it's beautiful. Please come and join us every Saturday. We're in Silver Spring. Hare Krishna. Um, I don't know if we want to go extra time. We, we can take some questions. If you want, you can come up and see these items. Um, yeah, Hare Krishna. I, I can see we're all... Um, you can put down... It's a bit echoey. We're all still rooted. We, what, a, what an incredible... A spiritual journey.
who knew, who knew that these devotees of, of this caliber were living amongst us? I didn't know. So thank you. Thank you for sharing. And we know there's lots more to share. Um, 